This is crossover collab. Tis the season to be naff. Isn't that right, Josh? <laughs> it really is. Uh, and we've had a lot of the best of the best, a lot of the best of the worst. But now we have the worst of the worst. Uh, with, uh, well, we've all seen one by now, you know, a Netflix Christmas film. And, you know, I can't blame Netflix per se. There's there's always been a studio that has been mass-producing Christmas films. You know, there, there was a time when it was MGM. There was a time when we had the five-studio system that dominated Hollywood from, like, the 30s up to, like, the late 50s. Then Disney kind of took over the whole mass-producing Dis- oh, yeah. like Christmas content, particularly in the 80s, 90s, with their Disney True. Channel stuff. Nearly said Disney Plus, but they're doing that now. Mm. And then, of course, into the into the 2000s, as Netflix rose from its icy grave um, to to <laughs> plague the living, um, it wow. brought with it plenty of Christmas cheer uh, in in the form of easily repeatable very predictable Christmas films. So we're going to talk about eight of our favourite, and by favourite we mean least favourite. Thank you. Hated every minute. Cringe fest. Yeah, (laughs) it was grim. It was skank face all the way, but bad bad skank face. We we did this for you guys. We thought we thought you know what? After all the cringe that we put you guys through on through the eleven dodgy sermons, we're like you know what? It's our turn to uh, to be overwhelmed by Christmas cringe. So we're suffering we servants. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what we are. We have suffering serving hearts to give you cheap content where we just discuss the most terrible films that we didn't even experience them all we only experienced most of them and we just couldn't bear anymore yeah i mean we're gonna we're gonna get to we're we're gonna meet justin martyr in heaven and uh he's gonna be like what are you in for he'll be like we uh we had to watch six uh netflix christmas films between us and then we looked up a further two plots on wikipedia it's like yeah. oh man wow i thought yeah. i had it bad <laughs> right now nah, we we did we we deserve it that's what we do and that's <laughs> that's going back to our 11 dodgy sermons it if really you, is if you uh, missed that you go ahead and check that out and cringe even more if you're so, if you're watching these 12 days of christmas out of order I mean, what are you doing? You're out of order. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> exactly right. Well, Josh, you've been watching um, a few more Christmas films than me because I get to use the excuse that I'm married and, yeah, and d- yeah. don't have as... It's it's rubbish. I still lay around a lot. I, I just didn't watch as many. I've been watching <laughs> Isabel's favourite Christmas films, which aren't actually bad films, surprisingly. So with that, <laughs> I did actually say yesterday, I was like, we, we have to watch a terrible film. And surprisingly, her and my mother-in-law were totally on board. Um, yeah. They were it's kind of like Christmas cracker jokes, isn't it? Like, it these, really is. These, so that's the thing. is like, No matter how critical we are of them, at the end of the day, I don't think anyone watches these films as if they're cinematic masterpieces. Yeah. I Though, of course, you guys will know by now my, my stance on mediocre films. Um and that is that they're worse than bad films. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, well, but without any further ado, let, let's get into it. Agreed. Well, I think, um, I was just going to say, I think you should start off since I think you have a, a lot more entries than I. <laughs> well, um, I'll start off, I'll, I'll, rattle, um, I'll rattle off one I watched last night, uh, The Princess Switch, which doesn't sound like a Christmas film from the title, so it at least uh, demands enough of your intelligence that you uh, actually look at the thumbnail rather than just the title. So, you know, that's that's something. Uh, <laughs> it's the first in a trilogy, because for some reason, after its uh, brilliant critical reception, uh, and I imagine billions of streams, Netflix were like, we got to make two more of these. Oh, obviously. Um, Vanessa Hudgens, uh, famous for being Gabriella in High School Musical. Ah, you know yes. what? Such a such a killer performance. They were like, you know what? Let's get her back in two more times. <laughs> and then they decided for the second and third films, they were like, you know what? 
she's so good at being two different people. How about we make the plot twist that she's three different people? Oh, uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the first thing I'll say is it's a it's a Prince and the Pauper carbon copy, of course. Um, right. You've got someone, for, just a normal, like, baker uh, girl who lives in Chicago, who, you know, is, is very... Well, it's the uptight uh, woman who is fed up with Christmas and the Christmas spirit and mm-hmm. has been burned because of her ex and all of that. And he's got a new girlfriend and she's single for Christmas. And yada, yada. So she ends up swapping places with the uh, the princess of, like, Belgravia or something. They, they do the thing where they kind of... Uh, I know Belgravia isn't like fictional, but it's on par with the like fictional replacement for the UK. But it's right. like a small unknown European country that doesn't really have anything to do with global politics, but is like important oh, okay. enough that it has a royalty, like a monarchy. Okay. So it was basically, yeah, uh, they wanted to do it in London, but they couldn't afford the budget. <laughs> or <laughs> slash copying of Princess Diaries, I'll, I'll leave it up to you, which is which. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, yeah. So yeah, you've got the you've got this uptight uh, baker, and you've got like a, a carefree princess who doesn't know if she should go through with her duty of marrying this prince that she's barely met. Uh, so they swap places, and lo and behold, they both fall in love with their male counterparts. So nah, um, really, yeah, I bet you couldn't see that coming. Um, uh, and what's what's brilliant about the film is that there is no conflict. Is there not? Like, I'm not even kidding. There is, like, there's stuff that could be perceived as conflict. Like, you've got one of the servants running around who's, like, suspicious that maybe, just, just maybe, something is different about the princess. Um, But no one ever cottons on. Well, one person cottons on, and it's, like, the youngest character in the whole cast. Um, We're meant to believe that the baker's friend of like 12 years, who's known her since they were in high school together, we're meant to believe that he doesn't instantly recognize that the person who comes back to him is not his best friend. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. If if someone who looked exactly like you came up to me and was acting completely differently, I'd be like, what have you done with Brandon? Even as a joke, like I would just right. say that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and right. it would be up to you to prove very quickly that you were Brandon by saying, yeah. "Ah, it's all jokes, mate." And I'd be like, "Ah, yeah, that's yeah, that's Brandon." That's... <laughs> <laughs> Completely right. I mean, nah, that that's hilarious. I have you seen the um, oh, what are they called? Screen runs. Um... Oh, oh, the pitch meetings. Yeah, the pitch meetings. Thank you. Tony yeah. Zara actually did a skit on that. Uh, did he actually? It was like a pitch meeting for the concept of pitch meeting. Um, really funny okay. video. I'd recommend you checking it out. It's like a June right. pitch meeting that he does. Um, oh, nice. All right, yeah, well done. Yeah. But the the moments where like they take out big plot holes or stuff like yeah. that, for instance, where it's like, well, why wouldn't she recognize the the best friend? Because yeah. money. Oh, I like money. Money's good. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that, exactly. That, that's I, it. So. And and the problem with it is like it looks like a Christmas film, but it has no soul. It has no heart. The storyline smell is... like one, does it? Yeah, and yeah. So it's like there's just yeah, there's something missing from it, and and that's something I'll just quickly rattle off as well along that kind of princess vein. Um, there's of course a Christmas prince and. Um, I'm going to count Night Before Christmas as also being like those that will be two and three that I'll just quickly talk about. I watched these a couple of years ago, so I don't really remember them very well. And that's the main thing I want to get onto with mediocre films is that you don't remember mediocre films. You remember good films, you remember bad films, but you don't remember the mediocre. And I think that ultimately means they're ineffectual like they don't have a profound impact on a person they don't make you think they they don't challenge you you don't grow as a person and not to say that all entertainment has to have a function like that or that we have to use entertainment for our own personal development or gain or whatever but the fact that there is literally nothing like beyond the text itself to to get like not just 
development and it's not just like oh this is a ridiculous movie but it's kind of fun like when we commented yeah. on free guy we even said like it's kind of a crap film but it was really fun so it yeah, was still kind of yeah. liked it um but like I, it, I think that's the problem with mediocre films it's like it doesn't entertain and neither do you walk away with anything it, you feel yeah, like your time's yeah. been weird yeah yeah and 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 that's something that can be said for a, a lot of these films is like the plot is just marching in place and that's that's the phrase i've kind of has just really rung out to me as i've been watching these films it's like march in place it doesn't move anywhere but it gives the illusion of movement it gives the illusion of progression um and by using the cliche i mean christmas prince does it as well i'm pretty sure where it's like a journalist who's really skeptical of people really cynical because she's been burnt before like she's really uptight but then she goes and she realizes like she's trying to find a scandal about this prince and then realizes he's a really nice guy and they fall in love and oh is that mistletoe (laughs) under the christmas tree end credits don't care (laughs) and there's three of those as well um yeah so you know go for it um and then night before christmas completes our, our trio of uptight female protagonists uh, something I've got something a for you as well actually oh okay cool <laughs> well, <it's laughs> to hear that. so so night before christmas from what i remember there's a knight who travels from like the 1300s to uh, the 21st century <laughs> so this and, is the, the kn kind of night like yeah uh, yeah the the <laughs> knight before christmas yeah yeah um and um he appears in the 21st century and half the plot is literally like people just saying oh no no it's because he's got post-traumatic amnesia and it's caused him to believe he's someone he's not uh yeah and, that, and that's so funny like it's one of it's <laughs> one of the yeah right mental illness is funny please laugh um yeah it's one of those plots again where it's marching in place but not for the same reason that the others are it's just because they can't get past the initial premise like they realize that it's a premise that no one in the real world would believe but they still want it to be the case so it just like uh, half the plot is just the characters trying to come to grips with the fact that he's actually a knight and i can do it for like two or three scenes where it's like no i don't believe you when he's like doing the whole what are these iron horses and you have a you have a glass brick that can communicate with people who are thousands of miles away are you a witch you know like I can do a couple of scenes like that where they're like, ah, he's just playing. But like, when half the film turns into like, I don't believe that you're a knight, even though you dress like a knight and you can perfectly remember things that have not been recorded in history and all of that. So anyway, um, yeah, so that was rough. But then of course it's the classic, like the knight is there for long enough. Like it's that uh, archetypal character of like the vampire or the outlaw where they're there for just long enough that the uptight girl can like learn to love again and learn to be spontaneous and then he leaves by the end because something something space time continuum i have to go back to fighting the crusades who cares end credits (laughs) thankfully there aren't three of that one so i only had to watch it okay that's fine (laughs) yet yet you never know how many people are gonna watch it this year so they might make another one yeah, they're, they're like, wait a minute. Knights have a huge amount of marketability. This is an untapped, <laughs> untapped <laughs> gold mine. Oh, bloody hell. Well, see, and the thing as well, you just mentioned, like, the idea where, like, there's somewhat... Sorry, I just got distracted, so I can't check Like... You know that scene from Thor where he takes that a drink and then smashes it on the floor, and he's like... This is delicious. Another <laughs> like that's like a, a funny short scene of oh he's definitely not from this yeah, place. Yeah. Um, but that's it. Like it doesn't revolve the film around that premise. Like could you yeah, imagine? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, space dude. The from... premise is used as a means to an end. Yeah, right. Rather than the entire film, <laughs> which is like. I think the last few times we've been talking, you've been, oh, hello, dog. Wow, okay. Rolf. Rolf. It had to happen on the day where we had to uh, record and edit and upload in the same day. Yeah, absolutely. 
Just leave it in. Leave it in. You know what? She's fine. We She's don't cool. edit this one. I'm fine, fine. with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just upload whatever we have. Hey, it's it Netflix, it naf- Netflix nitpicks, so we might as well be at our nafis and uh, least refined. <laughs> yeah, Director's that's... cut. This is the raw footage. Oh, dear. My gosh. We oh, have to think right. about what we're saying, because everything we say is going in. That's terrifying. <laughs> Not like that. What was it that you were saying the last few times we've been talking where, like, you used a certain term where basically directors or writers create a story based on, like, a really... Oh, yeah, like, reverse-engineered. That's it, so they, they Yeah, they started with... They were like, wait a minute. We've heard the story the night before Christmas where the N is silent. But what if we did the night before Christmas where the K is silent? <laughs> like, get it? Like, the... You know, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if some of them were like, you know, the Netflix annual Christmas meeting, that definitely happens because Netflix are kind to their employees. Um, every year, like the annual Christmas party, the, they like hand out Christmas crackers and then the screenwriters, like they get <laughs> yes. their... Like, they all they all laugh and cringe at it, but then like one of the screenwriters, like he he uh, stealthily puts it in his pocket, he takes it home, and he like just just furiously starts writing. He like spends Christmas alone. Oh. Like, I've got to get this finished. I got to get it finished for next Christmas. This is gonna be a hit. <sighs> Legit, it's it's the worst. I don't understand why they can't come up with with anything uh, original. And yeah, it's it's jokes. Like, for well, instance, it's funny because they say they're Netflix originals, but I have yet to find a single one that demonstrates any capacity of originality. Well, right. maybe not any. That I, I could, you know, if I thought about it. But let's not think about it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Well, the film they don't that... want us to think about it. <laughs> oh well, no. Well, that's the point. It's it's literally to numb your mind. It's like this is just bringing all the cheap gimmicks that you supposedly like we're gonna put a nice little package and make you watch it because it is on netflix and people will yeah. <laughs> as demonstrated by, by <laughs> us even we who yeah. appreciate a good film will for the sake of a bloody podcast we'll go do you know what we will yeah. actually watch this film netflix is absolutely <laughs> laughing yeah we've we've sold our honor and dignity for the sake of uh, a quirky idea for an episode we really are content creators. But if you want us to review more dodgy films... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Let us know. I, will, I won't go through this again. We'll I say won't. no, <laughs> but yeah, let us know anyway. <laughs> yeah, of course, right. But the, ne- the next one is um, Holiday, which is literally like... It's a play on words. Again, I'm sure that was reverse engineered. But Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, okay... But to be fair, like it, it uses all the most ridiculous romantic tropes ever. Like I was, I was review- reviewing it as I was watching it and making notes. Right. <laughs> so it's the classic. At seventeen minutes thirty-eight, <laughs> there yeah. is oh, a yeah. <laughs> uh, there is a oh, shot where the eye lines do not meet, and then they immediately break the one eighty degree rule immediately afterwards. Hey. There was an unintentional chiaroscuro effect due to one of the lights conking out in the middle of a shot. It was very unprofessional. There was a boom mic that was clearly seen at 2138. <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> Literally. I've got your notes the- right in front of me. Ah, <laughs> oh, there we are then. I kid you not, there were a few... Um, shots that I was literally like this is just really badly filmed <laughs> just like I didn't I, I would lie and say I used all those wonderful um, <laughs> jargon but no I absolutely did not I just but, had a structuralist lecture like last week that's the only reason it. I even know these terms <laughs> utilising your degree all over. Yeah. right so this one was pretty much about this stereotypical edgy depressed I did put teen, but she's more like a young woman. Um, yeah, yeah. The the uh, what is it? Not applicable. Age. Mm, yeah. Na. <laughs> yeah, literally. So the stereotypical edgy, depressed young female protagonist who thinks it's cool to not care and make loads of sarcastic comments. Ah. So you've got you've got her, um, and then she ends up her family's constantly finding her 
someone to date and love and marry around the Christmas season. It's technically not even a Christmas film, but it's around <laughs> Christmas season. So her aunt basically has a holiday where she brings a random friend or someone she's dating to um, family events on like different holidays in the year. So she's like, oh, I'll do that. So she happens to run this guy in the mall and long story short they end up going together and the classic tale of oh i hate you i hate you yeah yeah but wait haters into lovers yeah the, the absolute classic tale but um <clears throat> i will go through my, my notes um, <laughs> very very cheap sexual humor super predictable story very bad pacing unrealistic exaggerated acting and i mean absolute dreadful acting because i think and <laughs> I think it stars Emma Robertson, um, which is not. Did I say Robertson? <gasps> Blasphemy to Hollywood. Is it? I think it's Emma Roberts because I think she's. Oh um, yeah, is it Julia Roberts' Roberts' niece? niece. Right? That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. So, which I'm surprised you'd think she'd be able to act. I, I'm just going on a whim. Well, just saying in this. Surely then, <laughs> surely then, Holiday is like the niece to Notting Hill. You know, it's like they're kind mm-hmm. of naff. <laughs> that's exactly equivalent it. that's accurate because yeah really bad the writing certainly didn't help though there was a party scene after party scene after party scene <laughs> after party scene because it's the entire story is just revolved literally about now it's a different holiday and uh, okay, she's okay. bringing them along and so literally every scene you might have one quick like talking scene in between but pretty much every single scene is a party and they talk and it's about how they get on and then people kind of comment on their relationship. Yeah. It's just, it gets really boring after a while. Music cues are really cheesy, particularly at the end when she's she's in the middle of the mall, she's got the mic and everyone's listening and she's expressing no. her love to him and apologising. No. And it's just got the super, like, no. rising strings. and oh, no. uh, Literally, it's. Tra- I knew that one would get you. I knew you'd hear that one. <laughs> um, it puts its message and tone of the movie into that everyone is only happy if they did. Which yeah, I just, yeah. I hate that. That's part of the like dodgy Christian yeah, kind of exactly. modern church stuff. It's like, yeah, I literally Sing- like singleness it. is good unless you can do anything other than singleness. That's right, which is completely at odds with you know Paul writing. Obviously, he says it's kind of his opinion rather than God's opinion. Yeah, but he's like the the man who marries does well. The guy who doesn't marry does even better, and that's yeah, just his completely. opinion, of course. But it should be you, acknowledged as a valid and... early. Yeah, exactly. It's the whole idea of devotion. Yeah, and Which... it's not that you can't be devoted to God and devoted to your wife. Like obviously, completely. that's that's the whole model of biblical leadership and so on. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, we're two great examples of that. Like obviously, I'm married and I dedicate myself to God where obviously you're not and you still dedicate yourself to God and we we're not but gonna I'm say more dedicated to God yeah right yeah I was gonna say are we gonna say we're measure like maybe nah, yeah, nah. yeah but like you know the kind of up. right but exactly like it's common sense with that but I heard it because at the end of the film before the credits literally every single character was like and this character got with this character and this yeah, character it's so fell neat, with isn't this it? That's it. And it's like, so no one's single. No, because if they are, then they're depressed. And yeah, you yeah. hate that. I'm like, okay, right. That, that's the thing, isn't it, with these movies? Like, it's never, it's never that they're depressed and cynical because of any other reason, you know? Well, yeah. actually, I say that. Um, Last Christmas, which isn't a Netflix film, so I'll just talk about very briefly. This isn't one of our eight, but right. that's one where you start off with someone who's cynical, but then you learn it's not to do with their relationships. Their relationships are impacted by her illness, and effectively, she's had a heart transplant, um, oh. which is something that isn't revealed straight away. So at first, it's like, oh, this is the classic, like, uptight girl mm. rom com Christmas theme. Uh, where she meets a carefree guy. Mm. But anyway, won't talk about that anymore. It's got a good twist. It was actually tastefully done. Uh, oh, great nice. British social realist. And that was the thing. By the end of it, I could tell the film had a soul. These Netflix yeah. films 
I waited for them to reveal their soul to me, and uh, it turns out their soul had already been given up in a in a deal with the devil. <laughs> oh, Make man. Christmas films for me for all time. Appropriate and then misrepresent the nativity. It's the worst. They did that with a bunch of Pewflix did that. Sorry, um, but yeah, the, <laughs> yeah. I mean this. Mm-hmm. That's another conversation altogether. Not, not the um, only streaming service to sign a contract with uh, the old, the old, old deal broker. <laughs> old, dodgy, old dodgy fella, yeah. <laughs> well, this is the thing, right? Th- this film, and I think a lot of them, it's like, I was still intrigued with them because it, this one was bad. So bad that I was rather intrigued. And like, <laughs> I can see it try to be charming in certain aspects. And I, e- I even let out a giggle or two. Just oh, a wow. wee giggle. I mean, you're allowed. That. Like, you can enjoy parts, of course. Yeah, right. Does it so make it a good film overall? You're the judge. That's true. But, um, yeah, it was executed badly, let's just say. <laughs> On to the next. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll mention... So, this was a 2020 film, uh, which mm. means, obviously, it was made before 2020. That's yes. to take into account. But... Mm-hmm. Um, it bloomin' felt like a 2020 film because it was no. so like depressingly bad. Um, oh, but it's got a depressingly good title, and that is Jingle Jangle: A Christmas Journey. So it does sound good with a title like that, and the aesthetic that they picked for it was all like kind of steampunk Victorian cogs, snow, tight packed houses. Like uh, kind of Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium kind of oh, vibe, nice. you know, cool. bit bit of Home Alone two smuggled in there with the kind of toy shop vibe and all that. Okay. And they've, uh, I mean, the score for one, uh, it was by John Debney, who is basically the Christmas guy. Uh, he's done so many Christmas movies, but you can right. tell that for this film, they just tempted it with Home Alone two, and then right. he just had to copy Home Alone two. I kid you not, there is like a prominent theme that is used multiple times throughout the film on horns that goes bum 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 and every single time it happened it was just so audible and I was like this is not even, it's not even, like fair enough he might have been working on Home Sweet Home Alone at the same time but uh, it's right. unforgivable. Like, I am okay with the odd bit of musical quotation if it's tasteful and if they change it and if they add to it and stuff, but that, to be honest, the way it was used, the functioning of it, the orchestration of it, it's borderline plagiarism, if not, like... I think it's worse. <laughs> yeah. Just than, yeah, so anywho. That's so bad. So first off, it's got a very offensive score to me as a, as a film composer. <laughs> um, uh, but the actual film, oh man. Um, so the premise is that you've got a toy maker who has figured out how to uh, quantify fun and wonder. Like he's literally got an equation for how to make a toy wonderful. Oh, I'll just cool. let that sink in for a second. He's okay. quantified happiness. So wait, is is he portrayed as a genius or as a genius? Oh. He's a genius. Yeah, he's a, he's a good benevolent genius who wants to make toys for all the children so that every child can have it. And like oh. basically AI toy, except steampunk, like cool. an automaton. Um, so he manages to create one, and then he's got an apprentice who's like jealous of him, and his apprentice never realizes that his mentor cares about him oh the mentor by the way this is the best part is called jeronicus jangle <laughs> uh they're, yeah they're cool with the names i will admit they right his entire family's name begins with j so it's like jeronicus jangle i can't even remember the oh yeah his granddaughter is called journey jangle i'm not even kidding <laughs> journey because she goes on a journey to meet Jeronica's oh, jungle. I am not wow. making this up. Um, so, yeah, effectively, the uh, Jeronicus he gets disgraced as a young man. He, all of his inventions are stolen by his apprentice, who believes himself talentless and unable to invent anything of his own. He builds an empire, and effectively, when the movie is really set, uh, Jeronicus has turned into Saw Gerrera, 
um, because Forrest Whitaker was really regretting his career at that point. I could just feel it in that film. He was just so disappointed with himself for even being in it. Um, and effectively, he becomes... So this is one of the ones where it shows you someone who... Usually it's with the male protagonists as well, I've noticed this. They can't just show you them being cynical at the start because no one will sympathise with them. But they have to show them fall from grace first and lose everything. And then you're like, aww. And then build him back up. Uh, so he's able to... He believes again. His grand, like his granddaughter comes visit him, even though he's estranged from the rest of his family and he's behind on his bills, yada, yada, yada. And... And because his granddaughter is so pure and amazing and brilliant at everything, uh, she makes him nice again. And they all live happily ever after. He gets his inventions back, he invents an AI, and he also, the original AI thing, I'm calling them AI because they literally are, like, this automaton that he builds, which is called Don Juan and is very Spanish, um, Wow, is like an evil toy that wants to be the only one of its kind. Which, I don't think it's fair to call a toy evil for wanting to be the only one of its kind. Like, the first thing it gets told is that it is going to be mass-produced and given to every child in the world. So, imagine, right, you come into existence and the first thing, not, not even the second thing you're told, the first thing you're told is... You're not special. <laughs> I could replace you with a million identical creations and no one would even notice that's the first thing you get told like waking moments so yeah uh no wonder babies cry when they're born that's all i'm saying um (laughs) so yeah and by the end of it the resolution to that arc is oh well he's an evil toy so i know what i'll do i'll just switch him off and make a new one from scratch like a new ai program like they literally said i'm going to change his programming so he's created sentient life and then he kills it and he's still deemed the good guy by the end of the film oh and also it's a musical you you could have mentioned that from the beginning (laughs) if you mentioned at the beginning it was a musical i would have just said skip no (laughs) well because the the songs in the musical they add nothing to it they don't add depth to the characters they don't explain plot elements further they don't make you sympathize with the characters they don't move the plot forward like nothing happens they're just it's just a family friendly grab yeah it's that's what i mean by the march in place thing again because it's like those songs were purely a formality there was only one where the characters even ended up in a different place from where they started both physically and metaphorically. Oh yeah, that's like, that was the only. There was only one in the entire soundtrack. It was like a Greatest Showman ripoff. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. All the things well, that were bad about the Greatest Showman, it took as a starting point and was like, right, how do we make this worse? <laughs> Call oh. it Jingle Jangle. <laughs> oh, and and one last thing I'll say, um, and I encourage this to all of our viewers, listeners. Um, so. Uh, part of him being all cynical and grumpy, right, is, is uh, no one calls him by his name, Geronicus, right? They all call him Jerry or Professor Jangle or Grandad. E- even Grandad Geronicus is an insult to him. Okay. He wants to be called Geronicus because that was his inventor name. Uh, so. I insist anyone, I, I don't know any Jerry's myself, but if anyone listening to this knows a Jerry, please, for the sake of the Christmas spirit, call them Geronicus. And when they insist that their name is Jerry, insist that their name is actually Geronicus Jangle and make them watch this film. They will regret it and it'll be so funny. And it I'm will make it that. worth the suffering I've gone through to know that That's at least purpose. one person is going to be called Geronicus. Well, I've got purpose. a friend. I've got a friend called Jeremy. Uh, is is that close enough? Yeah, Jeremy. yeah. Je- Jeremy well, Redman. Jerry is... A, yeah, Jeremy is often abbreviated to Jerry as well, isn't it? Sometimes. Uh, so yeah. going to have a, a good surprise next time I meet him. Jimothy. Geronicus. It's going to be jokes. And also, just the whole AI thing, it sounds like a prequel to The Matrix. That's literally <laughs> sure that's what it is. Yeah, I mean... The, gr- the whole green theme, it's because of Christmas. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Ah, oh, gosh. Right, okay. So, we've... Wait, we've gone three, four, yeah. five. We've done five so far? We have done five so far. We've got Didn't three we have, more. We had um, one more. If you'd mind sharing your traumatic experience one more time with us, Josh. Um, you Did you have one more? Oh, film? Yeah, it's not... Uh, this one isn't actually quite so naff. This was just one of those where when I watched it for the second time, because I loved it the first time. I watched it the second time, and I don't know, it felt a bit more flat, but I don't know if that was just how I was feeling when I watched it. I tried to figure out if it was anything to do with the way it was made, but anyway, uh, I, I guess to open this one for people to watch and maybe decide for yourself what you think of it. Because um, as I say, I had two very different reactions to it each time I watched it. Klaus on Netflix. Uh, it's yeah, won Academy yeah, yeah. Awards. Um, it's an animated film. So for that very reason, I have to like it. Like it's an animated film that isn't in the Despicable Me art style. So that's a plus. Like it is basically yeah. 2D animation, but it's 3D. Uh, like it's got the kind of vitality of old Disney stuff. It feels hand drawn, but then it uses you know the best of technology to kind of speed things along, add more gloss to it. You know, so it's mm. a cool story about it how ba- basically the creation of Saint Nick. Uh, it's like a retelling of that sort of mythology. Um, well, legend, I suppose, because um, there's more fact than fiction about it. Um, but this is a very fictional retelling uh, where you've got like a postmaster who, again, is disgraced because he's a male protagonist. Uh, he loses all of his status um, and gets carted off to this middle of nowhere town. And he gets told by his father, effectively, I'm doing this to make you more responsible. If you can send X amount of letters back to the like if there's something like yeah x number of deliveries from that town by christmas you get to go home and you can have your life of luxury back so initially motivated by selfishness he tries to do everything he can but he realizes the town is like in a perpetual feud because there's two like main families it's kind of the romeo and juliet kind of thing you know two uh really antagonistic families and effectively after meeting this guy called klaus who is like a, a, a widower um, and a toy maker who's long given up his trade because, again, he's lost everything. Boohoo, how sad. Um, mm. He then joins up with this postman and they create the myth of Santa Claus, effectively, by leaving toys for the children. And it's kind oh, wow. of over time the mythos builds around them because it's like i don't know there's one time they're driving off in their sleigh and like it goes up a ramp and over the roof or something so they're like it can fly it's got flying reindeer on it you know and all how all the kids interpret it so yeah it's quite a touching film or it was the first time nice film actually (laughs) this yeah and i yeah i might be being a bit dismissive of it because i just as i say the second time it just felt a bit flat i don't know if it was one of those where because there wasn't the wonder of discovering it for the first time and i already knew what the story beats were and how they were put together i don't know if i was just kind of waiting for the film to happen um but yeah the art style is nice the music's okay um so that's that's you know it's not to say netflix are incapable of making a good christmas film i think klaus is proof that if they've got enough like because that was the thing it's like it felt a bit flat the second time but it was still a soulful film you know i could tell it hadn't been reverse engineered it hadn't been like brewed in a lab somewhere you know, like it was organic. It came from the minds of actual passionate storytellers. And even if, you know, the execution might not have been 100% there, again, I might have to even watch it again just to make my mind up on what I think about it, to be honest. Fair. But um, yeah, I think it's uh, it's a diamond in the rough when it comes to these Netflix originals. Yeah, it seems like it. Makes it all the more frustrating that they can't do a good job consistently. Like they do the bare minimum for all the others. And it's a shame. Mm. Because if they made all of them that even that same quality as Klaus, I think they would be a much more respected platform. Like they'd be taken seriously yes. by creative people, you know. Yeah, but I think that's the thing as well. Because the other films that we've already looked through, they it it's like they don't take themselves seriously. No, well, rather no yeah, one else yeah. takes them seriously. But I think with this, I've come across your article. 
and it does seem like people are kind of on board with this it just yeah yeah it's been divisive because i think a bunch of people have said it just falls short a little bit of what it could be it's yeah, just not yeah. not like quite up there in terms of like a good film but it's not it's far from a bad film yeah i mean means. put it toe to toe with arthur christmas and i reckon arthur christmas comes out on top but Put, put Klaus up against all the other Netflix original Christmas films and it's no contest, you know, Klaus yeah, wins uh, so yeah, I'd recommend you know, give it a watch, make up your own mind see for yourself um, because as I say, I'm not even fully deciding on what I think about it, so I could yeah. just be talking rubbish Love so, it. I think Brandon, we've, uh, I, I've spent enough time, you know, ranting about Netflix, uh, you've been able to give your take and your share of battles in this war <laughs> um, I, I think it's safe to say to our, our endearing viewers that uh, we can just go to Wikipedia for these last two. <laughs> so what we're going to do, we're going to play a little game. We are each going to read out a Wikipedia article, just the plot of these next two films, um, and just laugh, to be honest. Uh, laugh yeah. to hide the pain, because otherwise we will cry. For definite. Uh, so um, if you'd like to start. <laughs> yes, I will. I will. This one is called... El Camino Christmas, which just, right, all I need to say is the title and the name of a character to just realise how unoriginal it all sounds. So, El Camino is the name of a Breaking Bad film. Like, it's a sequel no. to it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It only <laughs> came out, like, what, a year or two ago? And it was a great wow. film. So, El Camino, but El Camino Christmas. And quite uh. frankly... I would have much preferred a Christmas spin on a Breaking Bad uh, yeah. movie or TV show. That would have been hilarious. And, you know, maybe it was redeemable. Maybe Walter White, instead of cooking meth, he was actually cooking some mince pies and, and yeah, gave yeah. them out to the community. <laughs> so, sorry to mention meth on a predominantly Christian podcast. <laughs> right, so <laughs> the second thing is um, also terrible... It's a great show, slash terrible show. I don't watch it. I used to watch this a lot. Um, you know The Walking Dead, right? Yeah. I fear The Walking Dead. Uh, ha, ha, ha. So, there's a character. The main character is called uh, Rick Grimes. The ca- main character in this film is called Luke Grimes. And this is where we're going to need to actually read the plot because the main <laughs> character is in literally the same sheriff outfit no um, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so I, d- I don't know that people if you're listening and you've seen it please educate me if, if yeah. I've uh, done this all wrong the, and... the screenwriters will be calling it intertextuality right uh, but we all know we all know what it really is <laughs> yeah exactly right and see Tim Allen he's in like pretty much every Christmas film he's in the Santa Claus films he's I would say Toy Toy Story is just a magical film so technically it should be a Christmas film Um, he's um, the Cranksmas with the Chris that's yeah that's the name of the film absolutely (laughs) good job yeah he's Luther Crank with Crankmas Christmas with the and um, <laughs> and he's in this film also. I think this guy likes a lot of Christmas films. So yeah. the plot can be summarized in literally three sentences. Wow. Yeah. Um, I think someone needs to expand it, but I think it might be so bad that no <laughs> one was bothered. This article is a stunt. You can <laughs> yeah. help by expanding it. <laughs> yeah, legit. No one wanted to actually sit and watch it and then write out the plot. So here it is. A young man, Luke Grimes, seeks out a father, Tim Allen. <laughs> he is never. Oh wait, no, that's on my bad. Right, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take all that back and be absolutely honest. Oh, yeah. I thought Luke Grimes was the name of the character, but it's not. It's the name of the actor. Okay, oh, I take that back. Right, yeah, yeah. Film producers, I apologize. I'm sure your <laughs> film is fantastic. Now, I'm gonna still rip to shreds the El Camino bit. Okay, Luke Grimes, it's just never an actor. All right, anyway. A young man, Luke Grimes, seeks out a father, Tim Allen. He has never met and ends up barricaded in a liquor store with five other people on Christmas Eve. There is much turmoil and back and forth between all involved. 
after an extended shootout, a hero emerges. And who that hero is? Santa Claus? Yeah, I was going to say, is it Santa? (laughs) Yeah, that's it. It's like, (laughs) it's got on speech marks. Hero. (laughs) Like, wink, wink. Like, oh, yeah. Well, maybe it's one of those. I I don't think moral ambiguity is quite becoming of a Christmas film, but maybe they're going for it's like a hero emerges to save them, but that hero had like just been in an act of terrorism or like is wanted for war Uh, crimes or something, you know. So it's like a thriller slash. Also, I've not watched horrors, but this sounds like a cheap horror kind of slash thriller um story line in terms of like everyone is trapped in this place and they must get out and stuff like that yeah yeah um so then with a with a dash of the whole uh oh we don't like each other and it's christmas we want to be with our family but then of course you can guarantee by the end of it they're all mushy with each other like and they have christmas all together yeah Yeah, exactly Right. So, <laughs> the name of the characters also just look funny. So, you've got Luke Grimes as Eric Roth. I apologize, Luke Grimes. Tim Allen as Larry Roth. Vincent, I'm not going through the actors. You've got Carl Hooker, Deputy Billy Calhoun, Hun, Hon, H O U N, Hound. Bob Fuller, <laughs> Sheriff of El Camino County, Hoon. Oh, hi, Danoon. All right. Kate Daniels, Vincent Santos, Jules Daniels. Beth Flowers and Mike the cameraman. <laughs> Hate doesn't I'm... say they just use a name generator. Do you think? Beth <laughs> Flowers. I wonder if she was going in to buy flowers. Um, <laughs> Jules Daniels was going in to buy some jewellery. Um, Mike the cameraman. I hope he was the hero, actually. Yeah, I hope Mike the cameraman was the hero. I yeah. kind of like that because we haven't watched this we can just be way more creative maybe we could even create a better storyline out of it um than than the original <laughs> who knows it might actually be a good film i actually yeah. do want to watch this to be fair like it, it could genuinely be an all right film is it a klaus or is it a holiday it? you decide <laughs> i think it's a holiday it's been on all the <laughs> the, the bad lists like it's just yeah, just a corny yeah. terrible um but it looks jokes anyway I've written on too much about this. What what is yours, Josh? Okay, I'm I'm gonna talk about a veritable classic, the first Netflix original Christmas film to my knowledge, and one that from everyone I've spoken to about it, they have not liked it. Uh, this mm. is the Christmas Chronicles, um, yeah. and I think this is proof that because I know that not very many people liked it, I know that they just made another one just for the sake of it, you know, just because they could. And because if they aggressively marketed it enough, whether people like it or not, people will still watch it. And that's all they need. Uh, So, yeah, I'm just going to read. um, In Lowell, Massachusetts, near Christmas, widowed mother Claire Pierce struggles to hold her family together after the death of her firefighter husband, Doug, who had perished in a fire after running into it to save several strangers. Her son, Teddy, has lost his Christmas spirit and engages in malicious activities such as stealing cars. Oh. His younger sister, Kate, nevertheless is trying to keep the Christmas spirit alive while keeping a strong belief in Santa Claus. Kate catches Teddy stealing a car from a parking lot and films it, threatening to show the tape to Claire, but changes her mind and tells Claire that Teddy had broken a picture frame instead. On Christmas Eve, Claire is called away to fill in for a co-worker, leaving Teddy to look after Kate. While watching old family Christmas videos, Kate notices a strange arm appear out of the fireplace. Kate believes this is Santa and convinces Teddy to help her by promising to destroy the tape of Teddy committing the felony. The two set up a makeshift tripwire and a hidden camera. Kate is later woken up and sees Santa in the living room. However, he escapes to the roof and the two children follow. Kate decides to hide in his sleigh to get a closer look and Teddy reluctantly follows her. Santa rides off with the kids in tow. When Kate decides to make her presence known, Santa and the reindeer are startled and he loses control of the sleigh. After teleporting to Chicago, Illinois, 
course. The sleigh breaks down, (laughs) (laughs) causing the reindeer to scatter and Santa's hat and a bag of presents to be lost. We're about halfway through this, so just to break up the monotony. um, Yeah... Have you, you, you'll have noticed by now they somehow I think it's just they've got a studio in Chicago it must be the case I mean you're near there right you could always head yeah, over yeah. there and see if they're filming I could. <laughs> they're, I they're probably could. filming right now <laughs> <laughs> they're Legit. probably filming like a Transformers Christmas <laughs> except probably... they, they won't use the property Transformers because that costs money so the, they'll go like <laughs> the Mechatron Christmas <laughs> subtitle a jingly jangly problem. Oh dear. Revenge yeah. of the toy makers. I don't know. <laughs> well, there'll be fake snow everywhere. That's for certain. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, right. Let's what jump back it? in. I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> Santa, Kurt Russell. Who is it? Is it Kurt Russell or is it Santa? Introduces himself to the kids and tells them that he has to get back to delivering presents as soon as possible, or else the Christmas spirit, which is capitalized elf style, will be gone. Quantifiable Christmas spirit. <laughs> I feel like this is the amalgamation of all the things that have been wrong with the other films we've we've talked about. So this is a great yeah. one to end with, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Without his hat, Santa cannot move quickly or through tight spaces like he normally does. That's a pretty big bit of Santa lore that they just dropped, actually. Right. That's, I feel like yeah. it needs more than one sentence in Wikipedia. Like, right? What, what like, are the mechanics of this? Why does like the, the hat make it? <laughs> yeah, legit. It's like the whole one thing with Harry Potter. There's like, there's like pages and pages of like <laughs> articles and Reddit groups yeah. that are like. Well, can you do magic without the wand? What does? <laughs> and then people start talking about like the law and identity of it, and I'm like, oh my gosh! So you're right. There needs to be an entirely new wiki page just for that. <laughs> yeah, we could we could write it. I think we've noticed that Wikipedia is sorely missing some uh, gruesome detail when Obviously, it comes to these lacking films. Lacking in the job, blowing act, terrible. That said, let me keep wading through this. <laughs> <laughs> The kids are forced to help him after he threatens to put them on the naughty list permanently. They stop at a bar where Santa tries to seek help from the patrons. When they get no assistance, they steal a car, which itself was already stolen by the bartender and which Teddy convinces them to take after reminding Santa that he technically breaks into a hundred houses every year. Justify and say. I'm alright to do my crime because you do your crime. They locate the reindeer, but encounter a police car driven by police officers Dave Pavida and Mikey Jameson. Kate goes after the reindeer by herself, while Teddy and Santa lure the police away. Santa is arrested, while Kate and Teddy escape with the reindeer. The kids find Santa's bag, and Kate goes inside to find help. She is teleported to the North Pole, where she encounters Santa's elves who agree to help her. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) <laughs> teleportation is usually a thing with these Christmas films, right? Yeah, I just want that to sink in. Like, when we're talking about, you know, the, you'll notice Arthur Christmas doesn't use teleportation, specifically, as a marked point, because right. it tries to introduce the kind of realism of how does Santa get all the way around the world? So they're like, if they can use teleportation, there's no point in them explaining how does he get around the world in one night if he can just teleport. Yeah, right. Like, why is that something I'm fixating on? I don't know. Why am I giving this my time? It's bad world building. (laughs) My gosh, it's inconsistent world building. (laughs) It would have extreme ramifications on the scientific trajectory of the human race if they discovered that Santa had the ability to teleport from one place to another. Does canon mean nothing to anyone anymore? <laughs> I like realism in my Christmas film. Uh, that was a bit of Scrooge. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, Teddy is attacked by a group of thugs who take him and the bag to their hideout, where he is saved by Kate and the elves, who then set out to repair Santa's sleigh, which is actually obsolete because they can teleport. And the police precinct, (laughs) Santa try- Oh, my screen went off uh, because I I left it idle for too long. That's how long this article is. (laughs) (laughs) Santa tries to explain his situation to Officer Pavida, 
when Santa reveals his wish this year is to reconcile with his ex-wife Lisa. <laughs> Who also shares that wish. So he wishes to reconcile with his ex-wife. His ex-wife wishes to reconcile with him. I mean... I I wonder where that plot uh, arc is going to (laughs) go. Vida is taken aback, just like Crossover Collab, but still (laughs) refuses to believe him. Pavida has Santa locked in the holding cell, though he becomes suspicious when he sees a larger number of arrests than usual on Christmas Eve. Seeing that quantifiable Christmas spirit has... No, no, no. So, because of a lack of Christmas spirit, more people commit crimes. (laughs) Surely it's the abundance of quote-unquote Christmas spirit, i.e. commercialism, that drives people to like buying (laughs) stolen gifts, stealing gifts, (laughs) stealing cars. Like, it's when money is at its tightest, and they're like, oh, it's because you don't have enough Christmas spirit. That's why. (laughs) (laughs) Right, okay, this this is even better. Santa gathers all the inmates to perform Santa Claus is Back in Town, which works amongst all the officers except Pavida. Pavida is finally convinced when he receives a call from Lisa, who invites him out for coffee in the morning and agrees to let's... Oh, wait, hang on. Oh wait, that's it. Santa, Santa hasn't broken up with his ex-wife, Mrs. Claus. It's Santa knows that the officer has, like, uh, split up with his wife. So Pavida's wife, Lisa, ex-wife Lisa, and then Santa's like, Ah, oh, Lisa wants to give you a call, you know. And Pavida's like, I don't believe you. And then he gets a call from Lisa, and he's like, I do believe you. Wow, crimes is really gone down now that I believe in Christmas again. Ah, yes, I see. Uh, Okay, so, we're nearly there. One of the elves arrives through the air vent to give Santa a spare hat. So, he can just be given any hat? Like, any Santa-looking hat? There's not, like, a specific Santa hat with magical properties. It's just one of Santa's magical properties is that he needs to be wearing a hat. So, does that mean anyone can wear multiple of these hats? Does... No, the the hats won't work on anyone else. Like, you could wear Santa's hat and it wouldn't work on you. I think it's that Santa has the magical ability to do that, but he has to be wearing a hat. Kind of like Harry Potter, actually, which, now that we use the Santa example, it's... Now I understand how dumb it is. (laughs) Legit. uh, A Jedi can only use lightsabers because they have the Force, but magicians who are genetically predisposed to be able to use magic, can only use magic if they have a lightsaber, effectively. Rather yeah, than only being able to use the lightsaber because they are magical. Unless you're really powerful in, in the Harry Potter universe. This is going way too much into many wow. laws. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, something, something, Santa finds his sleigh repaired. Santa sees that he only has an hour until morning to complete delivering presents, not factoring in time zones, so the kids agree to help him. Santa is able to deliver all the presents, saving Christmas. Ah, there it is. Afterwards, he drops the kids off back at their home before their mother returns. Santa gives Teddy his hat as a memento, showing that he did not really need it. Are you kidding me? We just We've we've spent ten minutes of this hour long episode talking about Santa's blooming hat <laughs> and the law and the canon and the world building and the mythology and then he just doesn't even need it. It really is more like Harry Potter then. You think that you can According do need the to whoever uh, according to whoever like... wrote this section of the article that is. Yeah, that's true. That's the uh, okay. When when he leaves, he gives Kate a ho ho ho, a saying he previously stated was an urban myth about him. When Claire returns, they go inside to find that the living room has been decorated like their father used to do it. When the kids open their gifts from Santa on Christmas morning, Kate gets the skateboard she asked for, while Teddy gets a magic ornament. When Teddy hangs it on the tree, he sees his dad magically appear in his reflection, and they both express pride in each other. Back in the North Pole, Santa reunites with Mrs. Claus, who has come home. Lovely. Is that it? 
music by Christoph Beck, who did the music for Frozen. So that's at least something. Uh, that's, Reception. That's On review aggregator Rotten Tomatoes, the film holds an approval rating of 68% based on 59 reviews, with an average rating of 6 out of 10. The website's critical consensus reads, Viewers seeking a fresh holiday viewing option, or those simply in the mood for Santa Kurt Russell, should find The Christmas Chronicles well worth a Yuletide stream. So yeah, for all you pagans out there, uh, (laughs) Christmas Chronicles. On September 15th, 2020, a sequel titled The Christmas Chronicles 2 was announced. The original director dropped out and was replaced by Chris Columbus, who produced the first installment. Uh, Do you know what else he did? Uh, Home Alone and Harry Potter. <laughs> Harry Potter. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. The conspiracy. <laughs> he Harry wrote Potter it. And the Christmas you. conspiracy. So, it must be, it must be. <laughs> Harry Potter and the Jingle Jangle conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's literally it. That's yeah. So they're obviously in the same universe. It's that. It just that is what it is. Um, and. Santa's hat is literally it, his wand. It's his wand, but it is just on the hat. It's it, you know, like they have a sorting hat in Harry Potter. Coincidence? Yeah. I think not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Well, my brain is dead from well, all that. That's just a theory. A film, film theory. theory. Thanks for listening.